You know, the, the greatness of God when you try to fathom what that looks like is, is, is very difficult unless you find things that are only God doable. Because there are certain things that can happen in life that even non-believers would say, yeah, that happened because of this or science or something. So when it comes to the things of God and how great God is, God is the only person, the only spirit, the only God who can change and transform someone's eternity. He's the only one who can do that. All the religions of the world. God is the one who gave us Jesus Christ to transform us into eternity. That's only something God can do. Other, other belief systems can, can help certain parts of our life. But they stop when death comes. Only God brings us past death and proved it by sending his one and only son to die for our sins and then resurrecting him from the grave. So how that translates to us is we all live a life of transformation for eternity. That we have something to look forward to. And because we have something to look forward to, we get to live out of looking forward to. In fact, the Bible, the Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, that each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that word abundantly means over and beyond, to overflow. It's not just to the, like the, the tip of the cup or to the brim. It means overflowing. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God not only gives us a life to live here, but he, he gives us something to look forward to. And the reason why we gather is it's not because we're, we're so good at what we do. It's because of who God is, and he's so good at who he is. And that's why when we give to him, when we worship him, we do that out of a heart that is cheerful, a heart that is, is giving, and a heart that reflects who he is. So as we pray tonight, as we pray over our tithes and offerings and the time that we spend together, let's be those people that abound or live abundantly in how God designed us to live. Lord God, thank you for giving us another opportunity to worship you. With the finances that you have given to us, we give back to you a portion out of a cheerful heart, out of a heart that appreciates not just who you are, but all that you have done throughout our life. We may, not, may have never seen what you have done throughout our entire life, but we know where we're heading and you've given us eternal life. So thank you for that. Thank you for abundantly blessing us over and beyond that you've given us hope far beyond death. You've resurrected us way past what we could ever possibly imagine. And now we get to live a life of transformation into eternity. We pray these things in Jesus' precious, holy, and powerful name. And we all said together, amen. Can we thank our Lord and Savior tonight, even at home or wherever you are? Lord, we thank you. We bless your name. We thank you for your goodness, for you are a great God. Before you're seated, tell someone good evening uh, online. Tell someone good evening or, or whatever time it is. And, you know, you have chat friends on there. Uh, we get to be here tonight. And, and again, it's always good to see uh, people here. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we call this our Equip and Disciple service because we want to be equipped by God and be discipled so that when we go out into the world, we can apply everything that he has asked us to apply. And what we do on Wednesday nights is we have our different pastors that will speak. Thanks, Joe. And uh, bring what the Lord is putting on their heart. And tonight, Pastor Lindsay Luttrell is going to be speaking to us tonight on a message that I, I, would, like to, I would like to introduce it because it, it's uh, just the title alone, Pastor Lindsay, that it's time to contend. 
So I'm excited to hear what this is all about. So can we welcome up Pastor Lindsay as she comes and shares? Put some claps in the emoji uh, thingies on there. Okay. with you about this message. As I was preparing these last few weeks, um, I had some ideas and some thoughts, and I was studying some scriptures, and, and everything that I was looking at, everything that I was studying just didn't settle. It just didn't sit in my heart and resonate, and, um, and then it came to like the week, you know, this week, and I was like, oh, Jesus, what do you want me to talk about? Like, I have all these things, but what do you want me to talk about? And and um, I just, it, I don't know, it just didn't, nothing sat well. Nothing, I just couldn't figure out what I was supposed to talk about. And um, yesterday, I was hearing all these stories of people who are suffering in this pandemic. And story after story of people who are going through different things and, and how they're suffering. And this isn't anything new, you know, we've been in this pandemic for, what, over a year and a half now. And so it's nothing new, but... For some reason, yesterday, as I was hearing these stories, it just, it just hit different. And my heart broke in a way that it's, it never has in this season. And all day yesterday, I had this heavy heart for the things that people are going through in this pandemic. And I kept asking the Lord, like, what do you want me to do? What is this, God? Like, what, what do I do with this? You know, and, um, and I was just processing with the Lord, and, and I was just trying to reflect. And if you look at everything that's going on in our world today, like, it's crazy. It's getting crazy. And some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have been out of work. Some of us are struggling financially. Marriages have fallen apart Friends circles and even families have been torn apart and divided over the vaccine and over politics. And sometimes what we try to do because it's uncomfortable to talk about is we just try to ignore it. We just try and look for all the good, right? Because that's what's gonna make us feel better. And that's good, but there's a part of us that needs to process what's happening. We have to process and we have to feel what we're feeling. And as I did that yesterday, it, man, it, it was, I don't know, I, I just look around and I see things that I never imagined I would see. You know, th things I would witness that I never thought I would. And I don't know about you, but I just sat in this place of, man, this sucks. is super junk and on top of everything that's happening with the pandemic life doesn't stop does it life doesn't stop it still goes on right people still have other health issues besides covid right they that's still happening people still have relational conflict and there's still drama at work like that still happens too People are still experiencing financial hardship. Like, it didn't just stop because the pandemic happened. It kept going, and what I think happened is now we start to feel it more intensely because there's an added stress of this pandemic. And so tonight, please hear my heart that as I bring this message, it, it's one that I tread lightly on. But I really sense that this is what the Lord was telling me, and, and this is what the Lord wanted me to share and um, if I'm completely honest, sometimes during this season, in this pandemic, sometimes all I've been praying is, Jesus, keep it away from my family. I know that might sound selfish, but it's true. That's what I've been praying. And I'm sure some of you have been praying that too, and there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. But as this pandemic continues to happen, as it continues to happen, I've just been asking the Lord, what can I do? What can I do? Is there something that you want me to do? So it's hard for me to just sit by and watch and do nothing. 
And I was just asking the Lord, and yesterday I felt like he told me the word contend. Contend. I want you to contend. And we're going to look tonight at a few different instances in the Bible where people are contending for different things. And we're going to take a look at that. And so we're going to kind of bounce a little bit here and there in Scripture. Normally, I kind of like to camp in one place. But tonight, I want to take a look at different examples where people are contending in the Bible. And, um, but what I mean with this word contend is we're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer, and this might be different than prayers that you're used to. This might be a little bit different than what we pray on the daily. Like, this just, it might be different. And so I'm going to unpack this a little bit. And to do that, we're going to take a look at the book of Jude. Now, this book, this book often gets overlooked. It's a small little book. It's right before Revelation. And, and, um, but can I just tell you, it's super powerful. And as I studied this, there's a lot of parallels to what we're experiencing right now. And so we're going to be in the book of Jude. We're going to um, pick it up in verse 3. And it says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compared to, compelled to write and to urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Now the book of Jude Jude is, um, he's actually Jesus' half-brother. They, I mean, they have different dads, right? Because, you know, God and then Joseph, okay? Just make sure we understand that. So he's Jesus' half-brother, right? And his name is actually Judas, but to differentiate him from Judas Iscariot, they call him Jude, or sometimes they call him Judah. And so um, Jude, he is writing this letter to believers. Now, it's not clear what church he's writing to or exactly what audience he's writing to, but he is writing to believers, and we can tell that by the nature of the this letter and and so he says right in the beginning I want you to contend for the faith contend for the faith and now the Greek word for contend is actually an athletic term that comes from the wrestling mat okay and so to contend is an intense effort in a wrestling match and one theologian says it like this that the word is a strengthened form of the word to agonize to agonize. It is a word that speaks of hard and diligent work. I don't know about you. I've only been to one wrestling match in my life, okay? So I don't, and can I just tell you, like, I had no idea what was going on. None whatsoever. Like, I just sat there, and I cheered when everyone around me cheered, and I yelled when everyone around me yelled. Like, I had no idea what was happening, and I still don't. Like, I don't, I don't know how to wrestle. I don't know what happens, right? And, and I just sat there. But what I did see was this constant struggle to gain the victory. It's a constant back and forth to try and pin your opponent and not get yourself pinned, not put yourself in a compromising position where you could get pinned. It's a constant wrestling, a back and forth. And that's exactly what Jude wants us to see, this word picture, when he uses the word contend is this constant wrestling, this constant battle for the win. That's what it means to contend. When we're talking about contending in prayer, we're talking about this wrestle that happens. We're talking about this agonizing battle that takes place, that we're constantly fighting. We're constantly trying to win. And that's what he's talking about. And uh, my husband, he <laughs> wrestled before, and sometimes he thinks it's funny to, like, put me in wrestling holds. I don't know why. But um, he thinks it's funny. <laughs> and then, like, I can't get out, obviously, because I don't know what I'm doing. I've never wrestled in my life, right? So I don't know how to, like, reverse anything or whatever you call these fancy terms that they have in wrestling, right? I don't know any of that. So what do I do? I <laughs> pull whatever I can, kick whatever I can. Like, I just desperately try and claw my way out of this hole that he, like, puts me in, right? And he just thinks it's funny. And, um, and like, I just try and do whatever I can. Like, desperate, like, just trying to do whatever. Now, I'm not desperately, like, fighting for my life, but there's a desperation of, like, I don't want to be in this. This is uncomfortable, especially when he's, like, trying to bend my leg over my head or, you know, whatever. Like, I'm, like I don't want to be in this position. Like, get me out. And, and I am, like, trying to, 
to get out of this thing with this sense of like desperation and urgency, right? And more than ever, I think that we can agree in our world today and in our society today, there is a desperation and an urgency for the Lord. We need Jesus. We need him to come. We need his presence. We need his power. We need his, his healing and his restoration and his peace and his comfort. We need Jesus. We need him. You know, in this idea of contending, what happens when we contend and we're crying out to the Lord, we are acknowledging our desperation for we're acknowledging this desperate need for him, and we're contending, we're acknowledging that there is this desperate, desperate need. Whatever we are contending for, only he can solve. Only he is the answer. It's nothing that I can do, because if I could do it, I wouldn't ask. I wouldn't contend over this issue if I could take care of it myself. There is a desperation and an acknowledgement of, I can't do it. I need you. Now, if we take a look at the book of Jude, we're going to go back to that scripture. As we look at that, we're going to unpack it just for a little bit. But he is urging his letter, his readers of this letter, to contend for the faith. And what does that mean? He's asking them to contend for the truth. Contend for the truth. Fight for the truth. I think we can agree that in the world that we are in, with everything that we hear in social media and everything that is going on, there needs to be a fight for truth. There needs to be a desperate fight for truth. And that's your point. You can write that in as contend for truth. Now, he is saying, Judah is saying, contend for truth because the teachers, where, wherever he's writing this letter to, there are corrupt teachers. And what he means by that is they're not corrupt in their teaching, but they're corrupt in their way of living life. They're corrupt in their lifestyle, in the way that they do things. And so he's saying contend for the truth because there are these corrupt teachers. There are these corrupt people in the church, in the body of believers. He's saying, so you need to fight for this truth. And we know this all too well. Why? Because people want to believe what they want to believe. They want to they hear what they want to hear. We have to contend for the truth. Contend for the truth. And Jude goes on in the book to give examples. Okay, he is writing to believers, right? So he's writing to Jewish people. So he gives these examples of Jewish history and how there's been so much corruption in their history. And he gives them these examples that to us as we read it probably doesn't make any sense. But to his readers of that day, it made complete sense. Because now they're seeing this track record of corruption in their history. And he's saying, contend for the truth because of this. Contend for the truth because of everything that you've seen. And then what does he do at the end of this book, this short little book? He tells them, this is how you contend for faith. This is how you contend for the truth. And it's in verse 20 and 21. It says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and in praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now, as believers, we all know that this isn't our home. If you didn't know, surprise. Surprise. Like, this isn't your home, okay? <laughs> like, this isn't it. And so we are here on this earth, and we are waiting to go home with Jesus. But you guys, he didn't take us home, which means that we have work to do here. There is things that he wants us to do here on earth, and part of that is to contend for the faith so that people see that. 
I've said this before and I'll say it again, but we are called to be the light of the world. We can't be that if we look like the darkness. We can't be that if we don't know the truth, if we don't know to contend for the truth, which is Jesus. We have to contend for the truth so that we can be the light of the world like we're called to. And he says, um, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. He's the most holy faith. Jude is saying, build your life on a foundation that is rooted in the life of Jesus Christ, in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Build your life on that. Build your foundation on that. That's how you contend with faith. You have to start in this foundational place. And he's saying that you do that and then praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And now when he says this, remember, right up front he told us we're contending. And if I'm contending in my prayer life, if I'm contending, I am praying with an agonizing spirit. I am praying and crying out in desperation. I am desperately wrestling for the truth and with the truth. I am in this battle. I'm in this battle where I'm contending for the truth, where I'm fighting for that. You know, when I think of the word fight, I think of boxing. You know, just like wrestling, I don't really know too much about boxing, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I do know that there is two guys, and they are fighting each other, and they have corners, correct? Yes, just nod your head. Okay, and then in their corners, they have people that are there, right? Usually it's their coach, their trainer, whatever. They give them water. They put Vaseline on their face, and um, don't ask me why. I think it's the punches or something. And um, so they do all these things, right? But they're there for this person. They're there for this boxer, right? I looked it up. UFC only allows two in your corner. You're welcome. And um, now you know, you can go tell your friends you know what you're talking about. And, um, but they only allow you two in your corner, right? Because if it was me, like, I feel like I would need my coach and then I would need my hype man, right? Like, everybody needs a hype man. And I just think about when they come out, though, when they come out of the locker room, they're not just coming out with the two people that are going to be behind them in the corner. Like, they're coming out with this full entourage, right? And there's, like, music and lights and smoke, and, like, it's crazy. And they're coming out, and I guarantee you there's a hype man in there. Like, I guarantee you there's someone telling them, like, you got this, you got it, we're going to do it, right? And they're, like, jumping all over the place. And, like, everybody needs a hype man. You should hear me think of that. Even my three-year-old son wants a hype man, okay? Like, we go in the car, and he's putting on, he's buckling himself in, into his car seat, and he tells his brothers, he goes, tell me, go Jedediah, go Jedediah, go Jedediah, and it's like, he wants his brothers to hype him up, like, he wants his brothers to cheer him on, and he wants to know that he has someone in his corner, that they're cheering for him, that they're rooting for him, you know, like, no joke, this happens, guys, it's <laughs> like, ridiculous but he does this all the time because he wants to know that they're they got his back he wants to know that they're in his corner that they got him he wants to know that and um when it comes to this idea of contending the next thing you can write in your notes is this is to contend for each other contend for each other. Just like those coaches and the trainers are there in the corner for their boxer, they are there for them. They are fighting for them. They believe in them. They believe nothing but the best for them. And when I um, think about this idea of contending for each other, here's what I mean by that is life is tough. Life is tough especially where we are right now. It's tough. We need people in our corner. We need people that are going to fight for us, that are going to fight on behalf of us, that are going to go to battle on behalf of us. We need people that will be in our corner and support us and contend for us. 
you know, Pastor Ben kicked off a series on Sunday where he talked about community, and this is exactly what he talked about, is community cares for each other. Contending for each other is a part of caring for one another. And remember, contending is this idea of I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to fight for you because can I tell you, sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you get tired. It gets hard. You get discouraged. Sometimes you don't want to keep going. You need people in your corner that will pick you up and fight with you. People that will pick you up and fight on your behalf when it gets too hard for you. I came to understand what it meant to contend for something about five years ago. Some of you may know our story. When our son Pono was born, I was 25 weeks pregnant. Now, for those of you who don't know a normal pregnancy, you normally give birth anywhere from 36 to 40 weeks, or sometimes after. I was 25 weeks pregnant, a little over the halfway mark. When Pono was born, he was two pounds. Our son spent the first three and a half months of his life in the NICU, which is an intensive care unit for babies, three and a half months. And I learned what it meant to contend for something. What it meant to pray in such a way where there was this agony inside me, where all I could do was cry out in desperation, and sometimes all I could say was, Jesus, I need you. There was this desperation and this wrestling that happened in my heart in that season that we spent in the hospital with our son. Not only did I learn what it meant to contend for something, I learned and I understood what it meant that people would contend for me. That people would contend for us and our situation as people surrounded us, as a community surrounded us and started praying with us. Praying and contending for our son. Back then, that's all I knew. I, I have to contend. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew that I had to contend for my son. But people came around us in a time where it was hard, a time where we wanted to give up. And they contended on our behalf. They contended on behalf of our family. They contended on behalf of our son. And can I just tell you when that happened, when this community came around us and started to contend for us, I didn't feel alone. Didn't feel alone in what I was walking through. I felt comforted. I even felt hopeful. I was reassured because I knew people had my back. When we contend for other people, sometimes what happens is you end up bringing hope. You bring peace. maybe even life to people who are holding on to whatever they can. Contending for each other is what happens in the body of Christ. In this season, I know there are some of you that are suffering. There are some of you that are hurting. And while I can't Imagine what you're going through. People around you will contend for you. That's what the body of Christ does. That's what the community does, is we contend for one another. We fight on behalf of somebody else when they can't. 
also want to say this, that if that's you in this season, please hear me when I say this. There is no shame, absolutely none, in asking for people to contend with you. A lot of times, enemy will whisper that into our ear. Oh, but that's weakness, asking people to pray for you. No, it's not. It's humility. You're asking people to journey with you, to contend and to fight on your behalf. That's a humble thing. That takes courage. That's what the Bible talks about, right? Bearing one another's burdens. We're called to do it in such a way where we will fight on behalf of another person, where we will fight on behalf of our brothers and our sisters. Paul says this in his letter to the church of Colossae. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. This is an example where Paul is contending for other people. He's contending for the church in Colossae that he wrote this letter to. He's contending for people in Laodicea. He is contending for people he has never even met. Why? Because that's what we do in the body of Christ. We contend for each other. And, and I want you to check this out. We don't have time to go through everything that he prays for them for, everything that he's contending for them for, but we do have time to look at a few. And the first one I really want to look at is this word encouraged. He says, I pray that you would be encouraged. Now this word encouraged, it actually means to comfort and to exhort. Means to comfort and exhort, and it points back to the idea of enabling a person to meet a difficult situation with confidence. That's what he's praying for them. He's praying that they would face these situations and these oppositions that they're looking at, and that they would meet it with confidence. That's what he says when he says, I want to, I'm praying that you're encouraged. It's not just this, oh, I want you to feel good, like pat you on the back, good job. Like, no, he is praying that you would face these situations with confidence, that you are enabled to face them with confidence. That's what he's praying when he prays that they would be encouraged. Don't you think we all need that sometimes? We need people to pray that for us, that we would be encouraged, that we would have this ability to meet that situation with confidence, knowing who is on our side. And the next thing that Paul prays for is unity in love. I look at the world today, and I see division everywhere. In the church, out of the church, in families, in friend groups, everywhere. I see division. Paul is contending for these churches and these people that he's writing to that they would be unified in love. Unified in love. I look around and I think that's exactly what we need to be. Unified in love. Doesn't matter what your political stance is. It doesn't matter if you're for the vaccine or not for the vaccine. It doesn't matter. Because our common denominator is Jesus. That's it. Our common denominator is Jesus. If you can't unite on anything else in the body of Christ, that's what we unite on, is Jesus and what he did for each and every single one of us. We unite in love because of Jesus. And Paul prays for that. He prays for that for people. Why? Because people need that. We need that. We need someone in our corner contending on our behalf. 
fighting for us. We're going to wrap it up here. This is the last thing we're going to look at. The scripture comes from the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to read it to you. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You know, tonight we looked at a few different types of contending. Right? We looked at what it means to contend for the truth. We looked at what it meant to contend for each other. Now this next part of scripture, I'll be super honest, this actually doesn't have the word contend in it. Okay, it doesn't have the word contend in it. And the um, context of it isn't actually where someone is contending for anything but I believe that there is significance in this scripture. I believe this is what the Lord is asking of us and what he's challenging us to do. Now, in this book, in 2 Chronicles, what has just happened right before the Lord says this is that Solomon has finished building the temple. He's finished building the temple that his father David had in mind. Solomon has just finished it. They've They've dedicated it to the Lord. They've offered an abundance of sacrifices. And he's built this place for the Lord. And God, in their sacrifices, he came down and he put fire on it, which was his stamp of approval or his seal of approval. And later on, on a completely different instance, the Lord appears to Solomon. And this is what he, he says to him. He says this verse that we just read. If my people will humble themselves and pray, they will humble themselves and pray. They will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's a stipulation in this promise. That stipulation is that they would repent, that they would turn away. Repentance is doing a circle, going in the opposite direction of the one that you're heading. And God is saying, if my people will turn, they will come back to me. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. When they talk about healing in the Old Testament, there's tons of different interpretations of that. Some is physical healing, some is a spiritual healing. When they talk about it in reference to a land, some believe that it means that the captives are going to come back. They also believe that when the Lord heals the land, he's going to restore the peace. He's going to bring his peace. He's going to bring his comfort. That's what I believe the Lord is asking us to contend for. A healing in our land. Yes, there are things happening here in our own lives, in our own families, in our own community. But I believe the Lord is also asking us to look out. I want to heal your land. I want to heal your nation. In this passage, he is talking about the nation of Israel. He's not just talking about a believer or one or two believers. He's talking about the nation. Healing the nation. I don't know about you, but our nation could definitely use some healing. I believe God is asking us, Will you contend for that healing? Will you contend for that? He's asking if we would be a people that will contend for the healing of this land, the healing of his land. And so tonight, that's where I'm going to leave it. 
you join me and will you and I be people that will contend for truth, for each other, and for healing in our land? Will we contend together for those things? Because there is power when you contend together. Tonight, we're going to end contending together as a family. Some of you may be here, and life is hard. Life is hard. You're at your end. We're going to contend for you tonight. If you're online, there's a place that you can ask for prayer. Throw up a hand so that we know who we're contending for. Or maybe some of us are just in this place of, God, what can we do? And so we're going to contend for our brothers and sisters. We're going to contend for our land. We're going to contend for the truth to be in this place or truth to be in our nation. Everything that's happening in our nation, everything that's happening in our world, it's not a surprise to the Lord. It's not. We get to be a part of the solution. We get to be the light. We get to join in and contend. That's our part, is contending. We're gonna sing that song, Fresh Wind. Here's what I love about this song. I have, I have the lyrics here, actually says this, as we repent, turn from the sin, revival embers smolder in. There's something that God can do when there's a humility, when there's a repentance that happens. Because now he can move. Now he can move. Chorus, pour your spirit out. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're hearing, Lindsay, I don't know how to contend. Sometimes I just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Pour your spirit out, God. I don't know what else to say. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. And then get this at the bridge. Let all the redeemed us. Prophesy and sing. Prophesy means you're going to speak forth. That's what it means to prophesy. And then the, it says, prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind coming. I believe this song is a prophetic song. I do. And I believe that they're saying, let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind coming. God, we can hear your spirit coming. We know you're coming. We're going to prophesy that you are going to move. They're proclaiming it. Move. Move. I can hear the wind coming. Move. Move, Jesus. So before we sing this song, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us. I also want to invite you for an opportunity to be prayed for, that we can pray over you, that as we sing, that we would contend. Sometimes we don't have the words. We don't know what to say or pray. And like I said, you can do short little phrases of just whatever your heart is crying out to the Lord. Also, I believe that there are songs like this where they are prayers. They are prayers pouring out our heart to the Lord. And we can sing them over situations. We can sing them over relationships. We can sing them over sickness and illness. We can sing them over these things and proclaim it and contend with these songs and with these words. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So family, would you bow your heads as I pray? Before we pray, I just want to ask if there are people in this place 
that you need someone to contend on your behalf. If that's you, would you raise your hand so that we know who we are contending for? I see you, I see you. Thank you, I see you, I see you. I see you. We are contending together. We will contend for you on your behalf tonight. God, thank you. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that no matter how we feel, Lord, that we can cry out to you. in our pain and in our suffering and our hurt and our desperation. God, you hear, you hear from heaven. God, empower us to be people who contend for your truth. Empower us to be people who contend for each other. God, people who contend for your spirit, for your presence. God, we need more of you. We need more of you. We ask that you would pour your spirit out, God.
spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit Thank you. 